Welcome to episode 75 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Kenny. Emma Kenny and Kiki Kenny are in the house. So they'll bring a millennial and Gen Z perspective to our discussion today about the book, The Influencer Industry by Emily Hund. Emma had recommended the book, and we'll discuss the gems we found, particularly around authenticity. You may remember episode 57 we did together about lash lighting or lash gate, which was a discussion about the influencer Michaela Guerra and the scandal she experienced when she was accused of using false eyelashes in a sponsored post to promote L'Oreal Mascara. You will hear mention of Michaela and the scandal again in this episode. We hope you'll enjoy the listen. Here you go. Gen Z and millennial in the house. Woohoo! <laughs> so excited today to have Emma and Kiki to help us understand the influencer industry. And so, Emma, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners who may not know you? Hi, I'm Emma. I'm the millennial that does come on from time to time. Um, and I also have a book, Instagram account called Leatherbound Gremlin, where I talk about my favorite books and do book reviews. And so I'm part of, personally part of the influencer microcosm that we're going to talk about today. Good. And how about you, Ki? Hey, I'm Kiki. I'm the resident Gen Zer, the Zoomer. And and knows a lot about influencing. So we're going to call on her insights into some of this too. So let's start first with what we think the definition of an influencer is. Okay. And in this book that um, Emma had recommended by Emily Hund. Yeah. I mean, so also extra context on the book. I actually got this recommendation from Schizophrenic Reads on Instagram. So shout out to them. They have an amazing, um, amazing nonfiction recommendations give them a follow on Instagram and TikTok. Kind of getting back to your question. I think there is kind of like the political, scientifically correct definition of an influencer. But I think it's anybody who for monetary gain has a social media account curating a certain brand or image depending on their niche. Very popular ones are like beauty and fashion influencers. Mm -hmm. Um, But they come in all shapes and sizes. I know there's a knitting influencer community on TikTok and it's wild. So it really comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And I think book has the focus of it being about bloggers. Well, bloggers is also kind of like, I feel like in, in this book is kind of like a, you can swap it out for influencers. Bloggers was kind of more like, I think traditionally it was like a hobby. Like you just kind of had it. There wasn't really like a monetary aspect to it. Like I think about food bloggers that just have like, they have like recipes. And sometimes they're sponsored with like certain ingredients, but like for the most part, it's just like they're posting recipes for ad space or whatever. It's not, it's kind of like a different format, I feel like. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of her examples in the book were definitely blogging examples of influencers. And so today in our episode though, we might work in a little bit more about podcasting and about other types of, of influencers that are out there. But I think your point about it being for social and economic reward 
it's definitely fitting within her definition of what she had um, indicated to be the definition of an influencer. And I think the other point she makes is about the size of the industry and how it, big it is. Yeah, um, it's huge. You know, multi-billion, that's with the B as in boy, dollar industrial machine is what she described it as. And the impact that that's had on our culture and our technologies and the way in which we see things has been enormous. But there's the downside of it that she talked about too. She had a quote from Tavi Gavison, who uh, first made a name for herself in the late 2000s as a preteen style blogger, wrote an essay for New York Magazine and said, quote, somewhere along the line, I think I came to see my shareable self as the authentic one and buried my and buried any tendencies that might threaten her likability so deep down, I forgot they even existed. She said this about Instagram, quote, most unnerving are the ways in which it has led me to distrust myself. I think I'm a writer and an actor and an artist, but I haven't believed the purity of my own intentions ever since I became my own salesperson. Uh, that was that hit me like yeah the sales aspect of when you start having been a marketer for so many years you couldn't be dishonest in your selling you know you had to have grounded claims you, you couldn't overpromise. i mean so much of it has been cleaned up but it's like the wild west in influencer industry of what people say and what they get away with. And, and there's been these little steps, right? Like you guys have mentioned that some of the the laws that have gone into effect that you have to call out when you're talking about a sponsor or you're advertising hashtag, what is it? Hashtag sponsor? Hashtag ad. Hashtag Hashtag ad. Anything more to say about that? Emma, anything come to mind for you? I think like the introduction kind of like to me what really like how the book starts it's kind of like portraying the influencer industry of like you really could like make a lot of money from like the comfort of your own home which like to me kind of like had allusions to like the American dream concept of like if you like work hard enough you'll be able to make millions and like you know, I think influence, because everybody has access to social media and like, for the most part, social media is free to have. So like, there's no entry cost. So like, you're like, all right, cool. I'm already, whatever I make, it's kind of like, I'm making a profit. And the model of it, I think is very enticing because of that, especially like, you know, considering and like Hunt goes into more detail about this in the book, but like, Considering like the economic, the economic timeline of as of late is, has been kind of crazy. So people kind of see it as kind of like, well, worst case scenario, I'll just like put all my time into social media and become an influencer and get sponsored by companies and like, you know, whatever. There probably was a time when you could make a lot of money. Like I think of it like when I well, like people do right like on, on YouTube people are millionaires <laughs> like with an M like maybe even billion but it's mostly from like the businesses that offshoot off of like their main channel and so you know there is like there is proof like there is like empirical proof that you can make money you can make a lot of money yeah off of it 
but that's like one person if if even like one percent of actually people who are influencing you know like for my bookstagram I am not under the notion that I could make like millions of dollars because well you know books but because of like my social platforms I have I can get better access to what, what are called advanced reader copies of books mm-hmm. so, they're, so those are they're all, they're also called arcs um books that I have not come out yet that I get a free copy of on my kindle or relevant app but I in exchange of that I post a review before it's published and usually I get it a couple months in advance sometimes even more than that but your authenticity isn't challenged with that. You're in fact- Well, it is because I'm getting something for, I'm getting like a benefit of it. Uh-huh. And like this publisher can choose not, like, and it's happened. A publisher can choose not to work with me again if I don't post something that's like relatively positive. And there's more of an incentive because there's some, sometimes there are people who are out there who are getting paid to review things, Yeah, you know, in other ways, shapes or forms, inclusive of like the ARC. And there, it's really hard to kind of be like, hey, like this is like my like unbiased opinion, you know, you kind of, you kind of take them at their word because like you're not, you kind of hope for the best. Yeah. I think sometimes with, with my research that I do for the podcast, you know, like on a, with a book or two that I'll use, I'm not pretending to, to know or be an expert in the subject. So my authenticity shows up like, this is what I've done. This is what I've looked into. This is how I've made this conclusion based on, on what I've gotten to know. I think that's pretty authentic from the way you're talking about it and what you're doing now. I mean, it's, it's nice. Cause I can pick and choose for the most part. Cause I'm not making a lot of money, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm kind of like, it incentivizes me to get a lot of followers. Cause if I get more followers, I'll get higher level arcs, you know, and I might even get free, free books that, you know, just, just, I don't need to review. And that's like the ticket, I think for a bookstagram or book talker or whatever, but those are people with like hundreds of thousands of followers. I have like maybe 2000. I don't think, I think some, a little bit under that number, but it's, it's hard because it's like, you want to make yourself look good so that companies will work with you. And you'll get some, maybe some cash or some benefit. A lot of the arcs are what are things that I would normally read anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like making money in a sense. It's an incentive. It's I kind guess of it comes to down to whether you would be willing to, your uh, values will allow you, your ethics. We saw in episode 57 about, we called it lash gate or lash lighting, brought up whether she was being inauthentic by perhaps wearing some false lashes while she was supposed to be trying on some mascara. (laughs) So the results look rather good on the mascara. There's decisions that I guess we all make in the process on how far we're going to go with being authentic or being inauthentic. You know, what is really us and what is the brand that you're trying to promote? There's hazards and, and there's big potential. I can see it in podcasting too, where, you know, I took a class a lot of us went into that class hearing that there was just this enormous economic potential and it's damn hard to achieve. (laughs) All of us are like still working on it, you know, and all of the things you've got to do to develop the brand today is so different than it was even five years ago, you know, 10 years ago. 
um, because of where the, where the growth curve has been for the industry, it's still got a lot of potential. Like there's still going to be more podcasts coming, but you know, it's not at, it's not at a point where you're, we're going to make a lot of money just going into it and just doing it. Do you think we covered the authenticity? Um, the only thing I was thinking that I, you know, thought of when it comes to like authenticity is, you know, as the public, I think we really spot in authenticity or weakness almost, which is a very fascinating thing. Like it's interesting in my generation. I think we spot that a lot. I think you do quite a bit. And you know, I think my generation is a very like compassionate and forgiving one just based on all the injustices that we've seen in life, you know, growing up. But I think some people, some of the public can be pretty unforgiving when yeah. they, when they see someone not being authentic or when they see someone who might be, you know, deceiving us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the same reasons as like, we've just seen so much that it's like our tolerance for it is like very so low. So I, I kind of feel for like, you know, I think a lot of influencers and, you know, regardless of their following needs to be aware of their mental health mm-hmm. and, you know, needs to take care of themselves. Cause I really think it's not an easy environment. And I think it can be especially unforgiving if you mess up, mm-hmm. you know, it's not yeah. really one where you can jeopardize your reputation I think yep that's a big thing in in our generation that um I think is pretty unique so have you seen any scandals other scandals besides Michaela's that we mentioned before in that episode and so many I can't I can't remember so was sorry sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead finish your thought I know it's gonna talk about the book the the person on book Facebook a Facebook influencer from who reviews books. Oh. She's actually an author. She faked her own death. She faked her own death. I, I like it's out there. If you search it, it's there. But she basically faked her own death to get better, like posthumous, like book sales. Oh no. Yeah, and then she decided like, hey, I'm going to come back from the dead and I'm going to write more books because it was very successful because she was, people felt bad. Like people felt terrible. And so. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, there's also always the kind of, people are saying like very bigoted things. Like, especially like, I feel like I'm very lucky because I feel like my community of bo- of book influencers kind of skews like more women so like when I like usually it's usually men in some cases will make like a bad take about books like people they'll defend an author who's not great or whatever for the most part and the women in the community are just kind of like not having it and I it's like a scandal every every other couple days but I, it makes me very happy <laughs> to kind of see that and be like, oh yeah, no, no, no. How about you, Key? You seen some? So the only big scandal that I'm following, is, or I guess, yeah, scandal, right? So I'm really into a show called Vanderpump Rules right now. And there's a huge scandal about, you know. Scandal. Scan- scandal. So there's this beautiful woman named Ariana who has been married to a guy named Tom Sandoval 
for about nine years, I think. And he ended up having an affair for seven months with Ariana's best friend. Oh, and they're all on the show. So that, that show, is that a TV show or what? Oh, it's, it's on Bravo. Bravo. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a real YouTube TV. Check it out. Yeah. You can watch on YouTube TV, but you know, people have been so scathing on social media about it. Yeah. I mean, the only comment I've gotten negative on YouTube was something like, and it was hard for me to shake it off. It was like about the way I sounded. Uh, And I just, (laughs) it was, I thought, oh my God, I've got to get a thicker skin. (laughs) This is like, you can't, you can't just go into this and get, you're going to get bounced around. You know, if there's anything that like me and Kiki's generation has learned in this day and age is that no matter how you frame it, someone's going to have a problem with you existing as a concept. So you just kind of like, you can't do anything about that, that they're, they're kind of having their own preconceived notions. Cause I've had, I've had me nasty comments too. And I'm just like, I mean, even if I try to be your bestie, like you'll, someone else will hate me for a different reason. And at the end of the day, they just hate you because you exist and you, they're like, you're like in their forefront. But that's also like, that's like influencer, like that's part of like the influencer mental health thing that Kiki mentioned, right? Like I know many, like Jenna Marbles is a great example. She quit YouTube. She was like one of the most successful YouTubers of all time. And she quit YouTube because she was like, I, I'm done. I've I've done, I've done it all. Just fall and quit. Burn out. You can burn out doing anything, right? Including influencing, I would imagine. But and I think um, that's what, what the book was kind of talking about, right? Like, because there's no sort of either by tech companies or by government, there's not really like a good net for like burn burnout influencers. And I don't know if necessarily from what I saw in the book, she really demands that sort of change, but she like she's calling attention to the fact that like influencers are kind of becoming a commodity. And less like their own individual people. Yeah. I think she calls it corporatizing of the individual. Yeah. And I saw that too, as something like, if we look at our influencers as personal branding, they can shift though. If you become the corporate spokesperson for someone else, then you're no longer a personal brand. That I thought was very interesting because she said, as individuals and advertising brands endeavored to engage in the influencer marketplace, they adjusted their identities and means of expression to suit each other and the audiences they deemed desirable. Yeah. So it's it's no longer about them. It's about who they're trying to. Right. Right. And, and I, as a podcaster, I kind of just rely on organic growth. Like you may hear the podcast and you tell a friend about it and they then tell a friend and I'm not going out and buying an audience. I'm not selecting my audience. Sometimes I have men that listen. Sometimes I have all women. Sometimes I have combination of the two, but I'm not intentionally shifting the content to attract a certain demographic. 
And I think that's what they, what she's pointing out in this corporatizing concept that you, there are people out there who will begin to shift who they are. And for example, that exa- uh, the example we gave of Tevi early on, how she lost herself in that process. It's so easy. I could just see it happening. Yeah. What do we think um, are some good things that have come from influencers? Well, from like book influence, from a book influencer perspective, specifically, (laughs) I have heard of like some amazing books that I would not hear anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And especially because like my book influencer hobby, like many others has come out of the pandemic when like, I like didn't even see my friends. (laughs) Like having like a book club online is like, was like amazing. And so I kind of had that sort of parasocial relationship with people and it kind of like, you know, kept me sort of stimulated <laughs> in other, in other words, like, you know, during the pandemic. So that's, that was like one of the good things, so like during the pandemic, it kept me pretty sane and kept me pretty stable because it's a, it's a, anybody who tries to gain followers or traction on social media knows you have to post very regularly at the same time and at a certain cadence you're like, okay, right. But now I've, I've made some stable, you know, some stable growth and it kept me on a schedule, which during the pandemic was like crucial for my mental health. Yeah. Um, and I think too, just like seeing recommendations of books, especially because I think what's great about if you are doing, I'm going to do this with like the asterisk of like, if I, in, if in my opinion, you're doing it correctly, if you were, searching out and following a diverse group of people from different backgrounds, different tastes, whatever. Like I barely read nonfiction, but like I follow schizophrenic reads because he's just a fantastic guy. And like, you know, he, they gave out good reads and it's, it's fantastic, but like, you know, not everybody does that. So they kind of silo off, but you know, if you're doing, if you're doing it that way, you get access to books like these, that I would not have heard any otherwise and you learn about some cool stuff and some things that are hurting the book community like especially like in a time of book bans and book burnings you know it's good to kind of keep like you know the momentum alive how about you key i think influencers have provided a lot of inspiration for things like i think i wouldn't be able to cook like half the things that i've learned to really enjoy cooking if it wasn't for food bloggers or like Instagram chefs and people like that. So I think a lot of inspiration, a lot of exposure to things. Um, even with Michaela Naguera, you know, I think she has introduced some products in my life that I really like. Some that kind of sucked. And I was like, how does she like this? But, um, you know, I think that's the positive thing to come from them. A lot of exposure to new ideas, um, just inspiration in general. I guess I would say that I think influencers have brought more voices than we typically would have about things. So beauty items, um, you know, points of view on things. And as my, my good friend, Mary tells me at breakfast every now and then that I have with her, she'll say, you always make me think about something when I listen to your podcast that I hadn't thought about before. So I think that's pretty cool, you know, that we're kind of 
getting inspired. And as you said, from all different kinds of, of people. And I think that they're like people who are regular people. They're not models per se, you know, they might look beautiful or whatever, but I'm not listening for that. I'm not looking for that. I'm I'll let the beauty companies do the whole model thing, but regular people, which makes it more appealing. Maybe that's, maybe that's the good that's come from this industry as well. I guess the last question that we could ask ourselves is what do we think about sponsorship and promotion? And what's our viewpoint on that as podcasters? We're influencers per se. We're not making money. (laughs) We have no sponsorship. (laughs) And I try and do as much promotion as I can on social media, but you know, what do we think about that? One thing I was thinking is that, you know, for sponsorships, I think it's very important to work with a brand whose values align with yours to kind of maintain that trust with your audience. I think too, it's totally okay for influencers and people to take sponsorships. Um, I think as a Gen Zer, every time I see an ad or sponsorship though, I don't really trust it as much. Even if they say like, oh, I love this brand, you know, I'm so happy to partner with them and all this stuff. It's like, I've heard it before and I'm not really sure if it's like authentic or real, but I think it's totally okay. Even, you know, it's interesting too. I was watching one of my favorite like skincare YouTubers and he was doing a full face of glow recipe skincare and it was not sponsored. But even then I thought it was weird because I think That's as a Gen Zer, I'm always used to just like, are you sure? And, and I, I, I absolutely trust that it was not sponsored because he's very transparent and actually comment or does commentary about a lot of other creators that, you know, don't have um, just don't disclose their ads because I think if you do disclose your ad, you kind of have to be open to your audience, not really being as um, trusting of what you have to say. So I think as long as the brand, you know, like aligns with your values, of course, that's like the biggest thing, but even then you kind of have to be prepared for your audience, depending on maybe their generation to have, to take it with a grain of salt. And I think brands are aware of that as well, but they're still doing it. So it must be successful for them in, in some regard. But I also think if there's influencers like Blackpink, who I love, I don't care. I will buy anything from them. You know, they're, so. like, they're like celebrity. They're like global celebrities too, you know? So there's always, yeah. there's also like the celebrity cult with the influence as well. Like celebrity marketing, that's what a lot of these influencers get to, right? It's very similar to the way in which we would have used celebrities in marketing. You have to, you know, be cautious because it can go down as much as it can go up in terms of your, you know, engagement with your audience. If something, if a scandal pops up, then you know that take the down with it in addition to the up. But I was going to say, like, I, I feel like to Kiki's point, it just reminded me, you know, like I, sometimes I have to watch like what books I read and promote or like review because authors are very hit or miss. What authors are writing these books? And yeah, like, find out a little bit about their background, right? Because you're, you're the, the brand isn't just the book. The brand is the author. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like saying, 
Like one of my episodes is the brand, but it isn't my podcast. The whole podcast is my brand. Yeah. Cause which, cause like in essence at its core, book reviewers on social media tend to give out reviews for free. So that's free labor that we're contributing to this author's success. Right. And in a way that's like a supportive measure, right? Like it's kind of like you're condoning it. Like there was one author who was so popular. I am not going to name names because they're, they're that popular and I'm not, you know, I'm not messing with their fan moves. I have read their books. I realized after reading their books that that author used Brianna Taylor's murder to promote their books. So I'm kind of like, okay, like it's weird because I think sometimes like depending on the audience, like some people can overlook that and some people have and others have not. And it's hard, like, cause like for me, I've, I've made a moral stance after I've read, I read the books that I ended up kind of liking. I'm like, I'm not going to promote them anymore. It's whatever. There are other books to read. I have plenty. Yeah. You can't see it, but my viewer and listeners, but I have a huge one of like 10 bookshelves in the background of my screen. Yeah. You really just have to, you have to be careful about what you post on there. Like, yeah, definitely. Well, it takes a long time. Although we we were surprised by Michaela's recovery. I mean, she didn't seem to take it too badly that she had the scandal and seemed to be recovered pretty quickly. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe it, as fast as attitudes form, you know, you can get yourself out of a mess in a fast way too, you know? I don't know. Hopefully I won't have any of those kind of messes. I don't think so. Mom. Um, but it's interesting. Cause I think like, you know, Michaela, for example, didn't even acknowledge it really. Um, I think that's probably the upcoming strategy for a lot of influencers when it comes to scandal is to not really address it um, too much in the past, you know, influencers, influencers used to make apology videos and, you know, monetize that as well. But I think as fast as the public will ridicule someone, they'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. It's quite a fast paced kind of like judgmental environment, which I think that's why so many, it hurts a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people will be like, you know, cancel culture isn't good because it's just really relentless, I think. Well, good. Anything else we want to say about this? No, it's been been grand. Thank you, Emma, for bringing us this book. It's been great. I I enjoyed it. It it made me think like it would be a great textbook, actually, for a marketing class in social media. Oh, for sure. Because especially, um, I don't know if you looked at the author tab on the book, but this was like their thesis for their comms. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Nathan, for recommending this book. And I'm glad I made it onto my timeline. It was a great read. Okay. And yes, it was a great read. Thank you for, because I read it too. All right, ladies, thank you for being here. Can't wait to have you back. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening today. And we sure hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltaketheleadpod.com. We also have a YouTube channel where your subscription would be appreciated. Once you're on YouTube, search at Girl Take the Lead. 
So the three takeaways from this episode were, one, there can be a downside when influencers monetize their brand, which can lead to loss of authenticity and becoming more corporatized. Two, making tons of money as a new influencer may be an illusion for most of us. And three, we can learn from millennials and Gen Zers when it comes to shaking off negative comments. They can help us grow a thicker skin. Next week, we've got an episode about emotional intelligence. In episode 72 with Andrea Maine DeWitt, I said I really wanted to tackle what's behind the comment, don't take it so personally. And she thought it had to do with emotional intelligence. So I'm digging into the topic. I found the original pioneer in the field, Daniel Goleman, who wrote the book, Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ. So we'll start there, and there's a couple other authors I think can help us. Susan David's book, Emotional Agility, Get Unstuck, Embrace Change, and Thrive in Work and Life. And Melody Wilding, who wrote, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking, and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. These should be amazing books to talk about. Thanks for being here, and talk to you soon. Bye. (laughs) 